0: Ukulele, Abe. Aloha! This is Abe's Ukulele Podcast, and I'm your host, Abe. In this podcast, I talk story with great ukulele players and teachers from all over. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app to be notified as soon as the next episode comes out. I recommend the Radio Public app because it supports the show and the Hear Marks feature is pretty cool. In May of 2019, I had the chance to sit down with one of the best ukulele players in the world, Mr. James Hill, at the Ashokan Ukulele Festival in New York. James and his wife Anne released their album titled Many a Moon earlier that month, and I have to say, it is stunning. You really must check it out if you haven't. Well, alright, that's my intro. Here's James. Okay, so I'm here again with uh, the one and only, the great James Hill. Hello. Thanks for sitting down with me again. You're welcome. Let me grab you every year. <laughs> here we Our are. Yearly, yearly Our yearly episode. Our yearly grab. Yeah. So um, you just had an album come out. It's pretty awesome.
1: Thanks. Yeah. 18 it's, songs. It's basically a, like a James and Ann concert in your pocket. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's like, it's exactly, it's the album that people have been asking for for a long time. They say, you know, like, what, which one of your albums actually sounds like the way you sound on stage? Mm-hmm. And we never really had an answer for them, and now we do. It's just me and her and the microphone. That's, That's awesome. So is it one mic? Well, not quite. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- partly because the cello is that much lower down, mm-hmm. it needs a little help. Uh, but essentially, It sounds that way. Um, And on stage now, we just use one single big old mic up -hmm. at the front for vocals. And uh, it just... The minute you get off those uh, individual mics, I I couldn't believe what a difference it made. Like, we went from her and I sort of being in our own zone and looking directly out of the audience but not at each other mm-hmm. and the only way we could hear each other was through the monitor mm-hmm. and so her sound has to go down the cable out the snake to the soundboard back all the way to the stage into the monitor mm-hmm. on my side and reach me that's how i was hearing her mm. it's it's like trying to it's like trying to play with somebody over skype you know like not mm-hmm. as bad as that but <laughs> you feel really disconnected and you don't notice until you take those individual mics away, you both turn into each other, mm-hmm. you look at each other, you can see one another's movements, and you're sort of singing at one another,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the mic just happens to be there.
0: Mm.
1: It's a whole different experience, and I think it's a different experience for the audience, too. They feel that. But I think on a practical level, it's just it's easier to sing in tune. Mm. It's easier to sing in time. You know, like, you think of those, uh, you know, like the Inuit... Throat singing, for example, with mm. Mongolian th- throat singing. That, well, that too, but it, especially in Inuit throat singing. They're 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 facing one another. They're, they're so close that their noses are touching almost. Oh, okay. and it's like one person's face becomes the resonator for the other person's mm-hmm. singing. It's like it's not that extreme, mm-hmm. but you get that sense of not just hearing the other person, but feeling the other person's sound. Yeah, like it made such a difference. And mm. uh, so that's how we recorded this album, just just like that in the studio. That's really cool. I didn't even realize there was Inuit throat singing, so mm-hmm. I had to look that up. You will, yeah, it's
0: uh, pretty cool. I I absolutely know what you mean with the mic thing. Uh, when you can, like, because I've been singing in choirs basically my whole life. Mm. When you're right next to the person that you're singing with, mm-hmm. whether it's your note or it's a different note or it's two 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 or three other notes, mm-hmm. you can kind of feel it in your head, and it just makes you all sound better. That's right. Yeah. And then, it's weird the whole mic signal path thing i don't know why it cuts it up but it 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 sounds so different and i've heard it too like disconnected uh, from the
1: other person Really, yeah it's just
0: like it's weird as a performer and as a an audience member you can tell right away
1: but you don't it's weird because you can tell but the average audience member and and even most performers including myself for a long long time you know that something's not quite right but At the same time, like, this is the way that it's done. I mean, this is Mm -hmm. the normal thing to do. Yeah. And you don't want to question everything. (laughs) Uh, And so you go along with it for a long, long time, and you accept it, and you work around it, Mm -hmm. and you find ways to deal with it. But then the minute you do away with it, everything sort of comes to life.
0: Have you ever played with
1: in-ear monitors? No, and I don't plan to. <laughs> That's even more disconnecting. <laughs> That's
0: even worse, you can't really hear the audience. It's
1: I know, like... And then, and then, you know, I, I don't know how much your listeners know about in-ear monitors on stage. It's a pretty esoteric conversation, but still, <laughs> I mean, the the more advanced in-ear monitors. They even have microphones on the outside mm-hmm. of the in-ear monitor yeah. so that they can blend in a bit of the sound that's outside the in-ear monitor to make it sound more natural. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's kind of like like taking an orange, taking, sucking all the water out of it, mm-hmm. shipping it 3,000 miles, and then rehydrating it, you know? <laughs>
0: It's like uh, gone full circle. No
1: wonder it tastes weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just go back to, uh, so I, I like this this
0: idea of going back to how music was traditionally experienced. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I love folk music. Sometimes when you hear folk music, you have this idea in your head. But in my mind, it's just people playing music really close together so you can mm-hmm. really hear it. And experience it. When you have a drummer, I mean, I love drummers, but <laughs> when they're too loud, that's, that's usually how I find myself requiring monitors. It's like, the drummer's yeah. too loud. Can he turn it down? Yeah, maybe. But then uh, if everybody can hear everybody, mm-hmm. it just sounds better.
1: Well, that's why the quiet drummers are so expensive.
0: Oh, my God.
1: That's, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I think if you think of like, to bring it back to ukulele, you know, like Kanakapila is a perfect example of of a living folk music tradition. Mm-hmm. And in Kanakapila, you don't have to project more than five or 10 feet across mm-hmm. the circle so that other people can hear you. And that is a very intimate way of making music with, with a person or a group of people. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, that environment, that playing and listening environment of Kanakapila explains a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: about the ukulele. It explains, for example, in my view... My relatively unscientific view. Uh, it explains a, a bit about why the C-tuning was more appropriate for, for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, at the beginning, when the ukulele was first introduced, you know, uh, was first evolved or, or, you know, developed in Hawaii, they were going back and forth between C and D-tuning. Mm-hmm. They were trying to figure out which one was better. Uh, and the C-tuning stuck eventually mm-hmm. after sort of a long back and forth. And I think it's because they just didn't need the extra projection. That the mellowness and the intimacy mm. of that environment lent itself more to the sea tuning. Whereas across the ocean, <laughs> uh, across two oceans, across, across two oceans, <laughs> I'm trying to do the geography in my mind. <laughs> across two oceans, you know, you had the detuning that caught on mm-hmm. because of uh, the need for projection in the English music hall scene in, mm-hmm. and in the vaudeville scene. Um, it, was a, it was a different, not only a different tradition, a different, a different culture, and even a different economy. Mm. I mean, the fact that you had to project to, instead of five people in a kind of capilla, you had to project to 100 people in a vaudeville room mm-hmm. because they needed 100 people in there to fund the operation to get you on stage. And it's just like a whole different cultural environment, economic environment, mm-hmm. lends itself to a different ukulele tuning. You know what I mean? Like it's all kind of connected. What do you need it to do? What do you need it to do? You know, and who do you need to play for? Mm. Uh, Anyway, that in my view, that's people often ask me still about the C tuning versus D tuning. And Mm -hmm. if I have time, that's the long answer. You know, (laughs) if I don't have time, I'll say something, something sort of quippy like, oh, well, you know, it's just like the Mac versus PC Mm -hmm. debate. But in the ukulele world. And that kind of oh yeah, okay. Well there's two ways of doing it. Okay, but fine. the long answer is One's better than the other, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man. But the long answer is, is you know, a lot more interesting. Yeah. Now that's very interesting.
0: So I've I've been experimenting more and more with like dropping your tuning to like B, B flat. Mm. Sometimes A, sometimes the strings don't like that. Or mm-hmm. for example, taking a baritone going up two or three steps. Oh yeah. It's kinda interesting. Because oh, it's yeah. the same thing, like either projecting or just mellowing it out. Right. Um, and sometimes I don't want to play E, right? I just play F, dropped I drop the tuning half a mm-hmm. step, and then I play an F shape. I and love doing that. The, yeah. And I get the E yeah. and it's a little more relaxed. <laughs> but um it's kinda yeah. interesting, uh the conversation of projection versus like mellowness. Mm-hmm. And now that you have pickups and there's all these different pickups. Ones mm-hmm. with mics and the saddle. piezo. Yeah, what yeah. do you call it? The transducer? The <sighs> element? <sighs> I know what you mean. The yeah. thing under the saddle. The thing under the saddle. That picks up the sound. Um, if the tension's off, you know, you get one string more than the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you get a mic, you just get the sound that's coming out of it. Yeah. But mics give feedback and it's like, how loud yeah. can we make it? But that's then right. go back to the Kani Kapila. How
1: loud do you need it? How loud do you need it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, we you could talk about pickups for a long time, but the the advent of amplification, you know, it. I think the best example of how amplification affects, uh, the aesthetic of music is crooning. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, crooning is a way of singing very softly to a lot of people, mm. and if you think of the great crooners, if it weren't for the microphone, they. Wouldn't have been able to develop that style. That mm-hmm. style of singing depends on the technology for mm-hmm. it to exist. And, and and we think back on, you know, Bing Crosby or Frank Sinatra, they're great singers and everything, but they were, for, for a lot of the time, they were singing very quietly. Mm-hmm. And and we think now and we look at millennials and we say, oh, look at their dependence on technology. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, if it weren't for him and his synthesizer or mm-hmm. him and his sequencer Auto-tune. or, yeah. Oh, they wouldn't be able to do that music because it's all dependent on technology. Well, guess what? You know, that's been around for a long, long time. Yeah, it does. And it's music. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, if you like it or you don't like it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, what is technology? I think, I think the ukulele itself is a great example of technology. Mm-hmm. Look at all the moving parts and the... Well, if you're lucky, not many moving parts, but hopefully not. No, What I mean is the the machine of the ukulele. Yeah, how it all works together and how how much technology goes into making it. Mm-hmm. I mean, an ukulele is a high tech piece of equipment. You know, um, we depend a lot on technology. I'm I'm skeptical of technology in general, but I'm also willing to accept that a lot of things. Uh, that I do and that I love mm-hmm. depend heavily on technology. Mm. Uh, I heard a podcast recently uh, from Radio Lab
0: about something called bit flipping. It's very, very interesting. What um, is that? I'll, I'll have to link it in the show notes, <laughs> okay. but um, basically um, when the Priuses were driving away, when mm. they were crashing, the brakes weren't working, that sort of thing, that was because of bit flipping. Wow. So it's these... these very rare occurrences of something in the memory switching and okay. you can't switch it back because it was a random thing apparently when your router switches off and you're like why does it switch off randomly and you just right. reset it that's because of bit flipping so um it's so like, now the cars have redundancies built in because this is a thing oh it's incredible
1: unflipping
0: yeah um it's very interesting to think about the technology like yeah. how great is it i was talking to casey about like Music on a tablet, it's convenient, but the paper's not going to die. Uh-huh. It's its just going to be there forever. Uh-huh. It'll take up room, but, oh man, technology.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, technology is, is fine and whatever. It's as good as it's good, <laughs> you know, it's as good as the good it does mm-hmm. in some ways. But uh, you were talking earlier, you know, before we turn on the mics about getting back to like oral tradition Mm -hmm. uh and i still think that i've said this before i'm going to just keep saying it but uh (laughs) i still think the best way of learning is the slow path you know i really i really appreciate like the hawaiian style of of learning which is more like you just sit with the master Mm -hmm. you sit sometimes at the foot of the master Mm uh and you do that for a very very long time and the master doesn't have like necessarily a pedagogy mm-hmm. they don't have like a sequential structured methodology that teaches you step by step how to do what they do mm-hmm. you just live around them <laughs> mm-hmm. and you absorb it it's like you make you you make rice in the sushi restaurant for 10 years before you ever get to touch the fish but you just Mm -hmm. you're there and you're in the environment i still think in spite of the fact that i've written books that are very sequential and very structured i still think in my heart that that slow way of learning by osmosis and by immersion Mm -hmm. is the truest form of of passing on knowledge Mm. the problem is (laughs) we don't time for that anymore (laughs) We don't make the time for that anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't, our our busy culture doesn't allow time for that mm-hmm. anymore. And that's where you have some discord between people who, for example, go to Hawaii to study with a master because they want some of that, but they can only be there for like three days mm-hmm. because they gotta get back home to their mm-hmm. work and they gotta get back home to their kids and their job and their busy schedule. Um, or they've got to get home to their busy other hobbies that they have. You know, Mm -hmm. we make ourselves so busy. And so they sit with the master for three days and and then wonder why it didn't work. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, why did, he didn't really show me anything or she didn't really show me anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's because- It takes time. You needed to be there for three years in order Mm. to make that learning method work for you. And, Mm. uh, you know, it used to frustrate me when I would go into classes with, you know, great Hawaiian players and they would just talk the whole time. Mm. Not even about music. They would just tell stories. Mm. They would talk story. And they would occasionally they'd play a song and they'd tell jokes. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm sitting there drumming my fingers on the table going, "Well, but where's where, where, where where's all the material?" <laughs> you know, not realizing that that is the material. Mm. Those stories and, and that oral tradition is being passed on right in front of your face and you're not even noticing it because you're expecting handouts mm-hmm. you know you're expecting exercises mm-hmm. a structured step-by-step method and you're just not going to get it mm. uh and and that's uh the way it is
0: mm. <laughs> it's true it's it,
1: I For me personally, it's tough
0: to hear because I love curriculum. I love seeing a path, you know, like the Suzuki method or the Royal Conservatory. That's inspiring Mm -hmm. to me because it's like, I know I'm here Mm -hmm. and I'm this good and yeah. mm. (laughs) But ultimately when you play music, I don't think it really matters because you're either making something beautiful that moves people or you're Mm -hmm. not.
1: It's hard to accept in the economy that we live in Mm -hmm. because structure and progress... And measurable, you know, outcomes mm-hmm. <clears throat> are so so important because they align with the way that we do everything else in our lives. Mm-hmm. So we understand that, but it's not the real thing. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> real. It's not.
1: It's hard. It's hard to say that even for me because I put food on the table by by promoting um, structured pedagogy and it's not i'm not coming here saying that it's bad i Mm -hmm. actually think that it's it's good because it fits into our lifestyle i'm Mm -hmm. just sort of complaining or bemoaning or sort of uh missing um the the other way the slow way that unfortunately we're our our lives are just not set up for right now Mm. deep stuff i'm so deep yeah Yeah. We're, we're just knee deep in it right now
0: is life <laughs> so you're trying to bring this i imagine to your workshops in some small way is that mm-hmm. is that right is that a good assumption to make is that safe to yeah say?
1: yeah i what i'm trying to do in my own small way in my workshops is is uh do more open-ended activities more more serendipity um bringing uh <clears throat> Bringing a more of a sense of chaos into the workshop, mm-hmm. and a little bit of a lighter tone, and you know, I, I've got a workshop tomorrow that's called tune writing, and in, in the tune writing workshop, we use a deck of cards, oh, to random, randomly generate chord progressions mm-hmm. that I've never played before, that the mm-hmm. students have never played before, and using those, mm-hmm. we try to write melodies over top, uh, so sort of jolting people out of their. uh, habitual harmonies (laughs) Mm. and those workshops are fun they're starting to become more fun for me because i'm starting to get better at sort of riding that wave of Mm -hmm. uncertainty as a teacher you know it sounds fun it it is fun it just takes somebody to be able to slightly manage or sort of corral Mm -hmm. without sort of tying everybody down to a a path but still a bit of corralling just i mean the teacher's role at that point is more like a sheepdog you're just Mm -hmm. you're just like nipping at the heels occasionally to keep everybody sort of the crowd sort of moving Mm -hmm. in a direction but you're not saying left right left (laughs) right left you know like Mm -hmm. it's not that kind of control Mm. Uh, it's more hands-off and i and i i i'm enjoying that more and more Awesome, so uh how are you liking your time so far at Ashokan? It's great, it's great to be back. It's a peaceful environment for yeah, forgetting about everything else and just focusing on music mm-hmm It's definitely nice i'm
0: I'm glad this recording
1: is quieter than the other ones so far <laughs> so far, you never know it's' going drive by
0: we We've had a motorcycle and a siren and uh a, a garbage truck, no recycling truck. It's a pretty good collection. Yeah. And uh, there's less bees over here. <laughs> I, g- I guess we found the good spot. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to see you again in Toronto. Is there anything mm-hmm. new coming up that I need to know about? <laughs> With this this teacher training that huh. I, uh, of course, I'm crazy about and I will talk about forever. Because um, it's a path. It kind of mm-hmm. goes against what you're talking about. But at the same time, once you hit level three, it's also kind of like you're, th- well, I'm thrown into the water and it's kind of nice yeah. to just have more freedom as a car drives by <gasps> um, <laughs> Jigs. yeah, so is there anything
1: well it's it's different? funny you should yeah it's funny you should say you know that that the structure of the the j h u i program kind of goes against what I'm saying because i I think at first glance it does go against what I was just going on about you know at length, but at the same time i think I think it was Charlie Parker who said. You know, first you learn the changes. You know the chord changes, and then you forget them. Hmm. And I think that's really profound advice because mm-hmm. once you digest the structure, and once the di- once the structure of a program is in your blood, mm-hmm. you 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 are free from that structure. Mm-hmm. In 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 many ways. And so I think the difficulty is when you have a teacher who is trying their best to imitate somebody else's way of teaching. That always comes off a little bit inauthentic because they haven't absorbed it Mm -hmm. yet. It's not part of them. Mm. Um, But you have to go through that awkward stage Mm -hmm. before you're able to own it in your own way. Mm -hmm. So the the JHUI program, or as most people call it, the the Jihui program, uh, I think it's a step in that direction. You do get, you know, there's a lot of people who are onboarding this information into their lives for the first time. And that can be overwhelming. It can, you know, I don't know. Some people crave it. Some people rail against it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, my hope is that they will fully absorb it and make it uh, and adapt it to their own situations and, and I think that's the freedom that you're alluding to once mm-hmm. you once you sort of get through the fire you yeah know? I'm trying <laughs> and it just takes doing it yeah you know, there's all, no other way just
0: gotta throw yourself in there
1: we I mean we do have the master class what we're doing again mm-hmm. um, it's only the second time doing the master class which is just a a day of peer teaching and peer mm-hmm. review which was really popular it's popular again this year um, it's, again, more open-ended, mm-hmm. less structured. And then we have the couple of days of um, workshops, the way you know you, yeah. you went through and did it. We're also working hard on getting more online materials um, so that eventually, my hope is to um, allow people f- who can't actually make it to the Jihui you know, mm-hmm. training, that they could actually do um, most, if not all, of the training mm-hmm. online. So you don't have to go around the world constantly. Well, basically, you know, because there might be, you know, there might be three teachers in, um, you know, Pakistan who want to do this training, but that's not enough people for me to actually go over there mm-hmm. and make it work. And yet we want to support those teachers in other countries who um, who don't have the means to attend something in mm-hmm. Toronto or Vancouver. Yeah. So that's so, something we're working toward.
0: That's great. it yeah. that sounds exciting. Mm-hmm.
1: We're also working a lot on... uh translations oh nice really trying to make the material accessible in in other languages mm-hmm. we've got in the pipeline right now we've got spanish french german italian uh, we're working toward a chinese translation of mm-hmm. some of the material um even um, hindi we're trying as oh, well nice and there's, there's, you know, it's hard to mm-hmm. coordinate all of that, but I think it's really worthwhile. And mm. I'd love to do other languages, Japanese. A yeah, lot of that stuff is already in Korean, so we're going to mm. do more of that. But I think that's really important. I think, uh, you know, there's always Google Translate, mm-hmm. but we all know the limits of that.
0: <laughs> Still not that great. <laughs> uh, they have those little devices that you can talk to, and then I think your phone can do it too. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but... Um,
1: it's just not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> no, it's
0: definitely not. Um, it's well. It's kind of nice that um, translators are not, you know, being threatened by automation and robot takeover <laughs> or whatever. Funny, like
1: I think they'll be the last ones to be threatened by oh, that. Oh, because um, even what one of the hardest things to do is, I've been asking the translators to <clears throat> translate the songs oh, okay. from English into other languages, Mm -hmm. maintaining, if possible, the same rhythm Mm -hmm. and the same melody. Yeah. Now that's, you're looking for somebody who's not just, you know, translating the meaning from one language to another, but somebody who's able to sort of be this, like, poetic prism, you know, it sort of comes in, in English, and then it sort of comes out, and maybe not even a literal translation, Mm -hmm. but something that carries the same kind of emotion, Mm. uh, but maintains the, melodic and rhythmic structure of the original that that's tough that's really tough and and so that's i've been working with some really talented people and uh i think it's going to be great
0: i've tried that and it it was i could not do it because the words change and then i feel like you don't want probably the most important thing would be the notes because in that program you're you're playing melodies you're You're playing a lot of the melodies that's reading sheet music straight off the page yeah
1: and if and if you have people from different countries who do get together Mm -hmm. you want them to Able to, exactly you know <laughs> know that they've learned the melody the same way mm-hmm. so that that's a real difficult one i mean the, the alternative would be to find songs in that culture that just happen to reinforce the same skills that you're trying to teach mm-hmm. but you know that's even harder <laughs> that's a track more down, work track down those songs yeah. yeah
0: i mean you can do it i've 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 done it with a lot of songs where you sing it in English or a different language and mm. then you can change the melody and it works, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't work with this, I think. Yeah, You might have to do it though. It's, it's You get three eighth notes and you get a quarter note. That's
1: right. There might be what? times where there's absolutely no choice, but we're, we're going to try. And mm-hmm. I think it's well worth it to, hmm. you know, ukuleles without borders, you know. Mm. Is that a program? Somebody's... Gonna take bound that, to do that
0: somebody's gonna take that name soon yeah, quick buy the dot com while <laughs> it's still available <laughs> ukuleles without borders that's cool so speaking of um James Hill programs that are being that are pulling you everywhere um you've got another hot springs coming up and hmm. it's already sold out is that right oh yeah it's sold out in three days oh my it god it's just crazy i yeah i saw it and i was thinking i should go and then when i checked it was sold out i Hmm, I guess not. (laughs) Um, So what's, uh, it was exciting last year. It was pretty awesome. Um, How did last year go? Because I think I talked to you before it. And then how much harder are you going to push the students this
1: year? Mm -hmm. You know, it went so well. And it was two years ago. We were doing it every two years. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, But it it went so well that I'm I'm not really in the mood to change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Because I think we hit on a pretty neat formula Mm -hmm. um, in that inaugural event and what is going to change is the some of the staff were are just you know getting different perspectives and mm-hmm. um, we've got Cynthia Kinnan coming back mm-hmm. um, but Gary Pear is coming to teach um, and, uh, and in fact all all of this, the teachers who are coming through have been through the Jihui program nice. so it that's kind of a nice thing too Um, so we're all, we've all got that common language Mm -hmm. to fall back on, but I think, uh, it'll be the same thing with the goal is to have everybody playing together in one huge mass orchestra, Mm -hmm. but playing a part that is at their level. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's sort of taking that differentiated arranging Mm -hmm. technique, um, and really pushing it to see how far, how far you can take that in, in an event setting Mm -hmm. where, um, you really treat it like an orchestra where the, the workshops are essentially sectionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of having a, a, an ukulele event where you just have sort of random workshops, yeah, it's like, oh, here's a strum that I could show you, I guess. <laughs> like, and then you go to the next workshop and it's like, um okay, I'm going to show you how to play the jazzy doodah strum you know like okay well that's nice but it's all very random and Mm -hmm. often oftentimes it's pretty disconnected from one you know one room to the next in in an event like that whereas where's this you know you go off you learn your parts you come back together and it sounds great (laughs) you know so that that was the idea and it worked so well that i think we're just gonna we're just gonna stick to it awesome
0: you might have gotten the suggestion but um I think you should figure out a way to include baritone ukuleles. Mm. Maybe not bass ukuleles, maybe bass ukuleles. I don't know. Can you imagine a whole section uh, of bass
1: ukuleles? Uh, yeah, that
0: would be. Well, I don't know if you need it. But it's it's kind of like I'm thinking of the, the orchestra, like mm-hmm. the different, because um, they have different ranges. If you have the same mm-hmm. ukulele, um, whether it's tenor or soprano, the tenor has more range most of the time, mm-hmm. but um, then you kind of have a more complicated blend. Mm-hmm. It'd be more work for you, obviously, because now you need new parts, but. Yeah. Um,
1: it's yeah. a good idea. In fact, uh, the that classical ukulele collection that I've been working on for way too long, mm-hmm. um, I did arrange those for soprano. Uh, I mean, two uh, two sections of sopranos, mm-hmm. one section of tenors, and one section of baritones. Nice. It is arranged in that way, kind of like the whole, like the violin family, mm-hmm. but just doing the same thing with ukuleles. So that's cool. I'm 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 into that, but mm-hmm. we just haven't done that for this year's uh, Hot Springs. It sold out too quick. <laughs> like, I didn't just, <laughs> we didn't have time. We didn't have Baritone players, you can't come. That's right. They were just, you know, it's just, there That's was cool. too many uh, of everyone else. So do you know when that classical stuff is
0: going to come out? When can we look forward to
1: it? Uh, you know, I've been promising at, at various points for, for so long. I'm, I'm shy now about like saying mm-hmm. a, a date, but it's just constantly there on my to-do mm-hmm. list. And and in fact, what, what slowed it down a lot was trying to decide whether I was going to put tab Mm -hmm. in the collection. Mm. And because if I was to do tab, I would have to go through and personally check every fingering. Well, not every fingering, but every, every fret. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And make sure that that's the way that I would sort of endorse that you would play this Mm -hmm. part, knowing full well that there's always multiple ways to do it. And, you know, sort of why, why limit it to that? Mm-hmm. And and maybe we should just do away with the tab mm-hmm. and let people figure it out the way they want to. And I think that's probably what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Probably going to get rid of the tab. But that that was a big detour, wondering you know what to do mm. about that. So it got a bit sidetracked <laughs> there. But I think you know we're bringing it back. It's there's just so many other projects that buy for uh, <laughs> my attention at the moment. I know that feeling.
0: Uh, well, I endorse music only. Just You know, Mm -hmm. it's less accessible, but it's a good challenge because it's, you know, you're trying to be more serious with the music. So it's good. I mean, I find, especially with Campanella, you need tabs because you can't. I don't know that G is the high one or the, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you can figure it out. But um, yeah, if you're just doing a straight orchestra, just, you know, Mm -hmm. more music can fit on the page. It's only notes. It's true. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, we got to bring it back around. I've been, this question has been in the back of my mind this whole time, Um, but we got sidetracked. This is a long sidetrack, a long, Mm -hmm. good Um, (laughs) sidetrack. I wanted to ask you about your album all the way back to the beginning. Oh, yeah. Was that all recorded live?
1: Without an audience, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so we we have a a garage Mm -hmm. uh, at our place that we, a few years ago, we put up some walls and put down some floor and Mm -hmm. turned it into a bit of a... Project cool. Studio, and so and we went upstairs, set up the mics, just played it right there at our house. That's awesome. And then you
0: did the um, what 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 should I call it? The the deal with a devil foot stomping, uh, while you're playing live and singing, for some of those tracks.
1: That's Ann's job. Oh, she does the foot. She stomping does the now? foot stomping.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Uh, because she's also doing the bass lines. Mm. It makes a lot of sense for mm-hmm. the person who's doing the bass lines to also play the bass drum mm-hmm. sound because uh, we were, because we originally used to, did it that way. Mm-hmm. I was doing the bass drum sound and she was doing the bass lines and, you know, there's inevitably going to be <laughs> some difference of opinion mm-hmm. about where the beat is and, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't great. So a few years ago we, we switched it over and she does all the, she does all the, the, the on beat stuff mm-hmm. and if there's a a tambourine or yeah. whatever, I'll do that on my foot nice. on the off-beats. So she <laughs> has
0: the curse of clapping on one and three. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're on two and four. Nice. I'm on two and
1: four. Okay. Um, how
0: many uh, of these songs were new versus remakes or re recovers?
1: What do you mean mm-hmm. recovers? Um... There, It's all material that we've played before okay. and that we've recorded at some point. Mm. But what it is, is this is like our set list. When we go on the road, mm-hmm. you know, you don't play every song from every CD you've ever made. Yeah. You have your favorites and your the audience has their favorites. And, you know, these 18 plus a few extras that we didn't release, that we have been releasing to our mm-hmm. mailing list, you know, some bonus material. So we recorded about, I don't know, like... 23 24 tracks mm-hmm. and uh, there it's really just our set when we go on the mm. road um, and and uh, but it's the way it sounds when we play on stage and for the first time people can actually take that home
0: that's awesome well yeah. it's a fantastic album Thanks. Um I thought I knew what my favorite song was, but now I don't know because I've been <laughs> listening to it. Um, I really like that you slowed down a song like a bird. Not hmm. like a bird. What is it called? A yeah, Psalm that's right. Like oh, a yeah. bird. Like a bird. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of a ah, poor bird. That one's good too. Yeah. Um, a lot of good ones. So nice. if you're listening to this, you need to check out that album. I mean, if you're listening to this, you definitely have checked it out, right? <laughs> right. By now. <laughs> um, last question. Mm-hmm this foot stomping deal with the devil stuff are mm. you ever going to teach a workshop on that
1: you mean the tech 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 and playing at the same time yeah i don't think i'll ever do a workshop on that it's it's so frustrating to learn how to do it and it really just you just because the it's like claw hammer mm-hmm. and in fact if you ever tried to learn claw hammer you know the <laughs> rhythm it's bum diddy bum diddy bum diddy bum diddy and that's the same rhythm of the feet Mm-hmm. Tech, tech, attack, tech, attack, tech, attack. It's the same rhythm mm-hmm. that drives clawhammer and the, the the foot rhythm mm-hmm. that's you know so popular in Cape Breton and uh, Quebec, which is where I picked it up from. But uh, the concept, just like clawhammer, the concept is so easy and so clear. It mm-hmm. just goes long, short, short, long, short, short. What could be easier than that? And the the distance between the concept in your brain and the doing it in your limbs is so vast Long journey. (laughs) that it makes for a really frustrating workshop Mm. because you spend about maybe five minutes getting people to understand the idea Mm -hmm. and then you know they're going to have to spend a hundred hours trying Mm. to do it you know, like locking themselves in their bedroom and and trying to do this thing before they actually crack it. So Mm -hmm. it actually makes a really frustrating workshop. (laughs) And so, no, I'm not going
0: there. (laughs) So in an ideal world, if you could live with the master for three years, maybe. That's right. But not
1: a workshop. Yeah, not a workshop. Well, anyway.
0: How do do I end? I never know how to end. It's the hardest part.
1: (sighs) After starting. Yeah. Well, James, thanks again for sitting down with me. You're welcome. Thanks for uh, chatting
0: that's james hill at the ashokan ukulele festival james just released a new condensed universe of ukulele learning at uktropolis.com if you're in the market for learning or teaching ukulele at any level i highly recommend you check it out if you enjoy this podcast and want to help make it a viable endeavor for me please consider becoming a supporter I create this podcast because I love sharing what I learn about the ukulele, and direct listener support goes a long way towards its success. For as little as $1 per month, you'll get early access and bonus episodes. It only takes 30 seconds to sign up. Thank you for considering it. I also want to know what you think of the show, and I'd love to hear what you've been practicing and where you've been playing and where you've been teaching. You can use the feedback link in the show notes to reach me. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing the show with your friends. I'll talk to you soon. Aloha!